all need confronting. We all need to continually go back to the place of purging, getting back to that altar experience. My friend confronted me. It broke me. I went home and prayed all night. I called my dad in the middle of the night, uh, who lived in Alabama. I'm in Indianapolis. He's a, he was a pastor at the time. And I said, you know, Dad, middle of the night, I said, do I have a lie? I said, do I lie? And he said, yes. And he said, it's all right. God will put everything on hold. He'll, he'll call the foreman at the construction site and say, oh, oh, oh hold on. <laughs> we got some issues in the foundation. I don't want to raise you up right now because I want to protect the weight. Today we're joined by Pat Schatzlein. Pat is the co-founder of Remnant Ministries International and is known as one of America's leading communicators and an evangelist. He and his wife Karen have ministered internationally to more than two million people. Pat's mission is to introduce a generation to the awesome love of the Father and believers to God's amazing love. Thank you for joining us today, Pat. I am so honored to be back with you. Thank you, Woodley. I love, I love the new podcast. I really, I'm excited about it. Yeah, and we're excited to have you, Pat. Pat is is here today to talk to us about his new book, Unqualified, where you can begin to be great. Now, Pat, this is obviously uh, something that's very near and dear to to many of us that are, are challenged in our in our daily walk of of feeling maybe we're not called to do something. What was the genesis behind this project? Well, you know, I, I had wrote my first book, Why Is God So Mad At Me? And then I wrote I Am Remnant, which God really used in a powerful way. And I wanted to write a book to be really clear about it, just to be honest, that I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done or or what platform God's given you. You will battle with that feeling of unqualified. And I dealt with it for many years. And so in the book, I get really honest about how God had to just really changed my wineskin for better lack of words. And without it sounding super religious, it really was where God had to show me, Pat, I'm going to use you. I love you. I will walk with you. you. You don't have to worry about. And so I went really deep into the book on kind of breaking that failure spirit off of people. Now, have you always been involved in ministry? Did you uh, you know, give us a little background on your testimony. How did you come to faith? You know, it, in all of the books, I kind of give a little bit of a, that I've wrote, I've give kind of a, a clue of what I've walked through, but my parents got saved really off the streets of Detroit when I was about five years old. My parents worked in um, uh, organized crime and uh, drugs and all that kind of stuff, get radically saved by the Lord. And uh, within three years, they moved out of Detroit. They moved to um Colorado, went to Nazarene Bible College, and then got filled with the Spirit, and we ended up in Alabama, where I was raised at. And so those of you that are listening can pick up on that Southern accent. Uh, even though I travel the world, I keep that Southern accent. But but I had a radical encounter with God when I was 16, and I needed God for me, not just my what I had been taught. And God really, he walked into my bedroom, for better lack of words, and then there was several other key encounters. I write about one of them in Unqualified, laying in a field, uh, not living a really horrible lifestyle and uh, with some friends that were out partying and, and I saw the heavens open, but I had such an encounter with God and I ended up going, uh, I was going to go to a regular university, was going to play sports and ended up going uh, to college down in Florida to a Christian college. And God began to show me, I can use you. And it was one night after praying all night, like saying, Lord, can you really use me? that uh, I had a radical encounter, and God said, I'm going to use you to touch the nations. And so it was that journey 
And throughout the years, I was a youth pastor for 10 years. Now I've traveled 2 million miles and, and I've uh, been traveling since 1997. Um, all those years, I battled wondering, God, why would you use me? And I think we all battle. And then, but God is screaming the whole time, why would I not use you? So even though you're now in full-time ministry, right. you're still grappling with, God, can you really yeah. use my life and do something with it? You know, years ago, I was preaching at Times Square Church in New York City, and David Wilkerson, the great prophet who uh, is in heaven now, I asked him, I said, are you still nervous before you speak? He said, I would be nervous if I wasn't nervous. The reason why I say that is I think sometimes God allows, Paul talks about the thorn in his flesh. The Greek word is scallop, splinter of steak. I think God allows you to not use it as a, because a, uh, insecurity is pride, but rather continually staying in that place of going without his presence, without his love, without his freedom, I'm worthless. And it's when we begin to get to a place where we don't think that, or we think we can do it without God. He said this to me last night. I was getting ready to speak at a place and the Lord spoke to me and he reminded me, he said, just be a stagehand, just open the curtain for my glory. If people can see you, they can't see me. And so whatever is in your life, I think what the reason why I was going that route, what the unqualified feeling, wondering why would God use me is not a bad thing because from cover to cover, God's word is about the unqualified. Everybody God uses is the ones that no one else would ever choose. And, and it's amazing. And that's what birthed this book. I was just driving down the road one day praying and I'd just gotten off a conference call and God gave me a prophetic word. He said, I'm going to raise up in this generation the ones no one else would ever choose. And that's who's, who I believe is going to lead the last day movement. Now, you, you said something key when you touched on the fact that insecurity is is actually an area of pride. Yeah. What does that mean? Because for many people, they will, they'll think, well, it's not pride. It's it's. I'm, I don't feel that I'm good enough. I don't think that, you know, this is going to work for me. Maybe I don't have the qualifications to get this done. Where is that insecurity? Is it really just uh, a reverse sense of pride? Yeah, I believe it is because when you're insecure and when you're worried about what everybody thinks, and boy, I battled that. We all battle that. I don't care who you are. Then, and and really that uh, that failure spirit that attacks you. I, I share in the book about the, the Lord had me get up one morning and I was in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And I felt that kind of oppression, depression type of thing starting coming on me. And I said, all right, and seeing God do great things. And some of the greatest leaders that have ever lived, that have ever been used in Christendom, have battled the very same thing. And um, uh, they say that great leaders have great highs and great lows. And the Lord began to show me, he said, Pat, there's a moment where you resurrect and quit redecorating the same old tomb. There's a moment where you get free. And when you live in the mirror, rather than looking out the window of the harvest, when you're worried about what you look like and insecurity, that really is pride because you're worried about what everyone thinks about you. You're worried about, do people like me? And it, you have to conquer that thing and get to a place where God's approval is enough. Nothing, and when you get there, I'll tell you what happened in Gettysburg. I wrote about it in the book, but the Lord made me go dance. He said, go dance in the battlefield. Go dance where others have died. I went out there. I had FaceTime on with my wife, and God broke years of this stuff that would hit me. I could preach to 10,000, go back to my hotel room and feel like a failure. And my wife, who's so precious, she just wrote the new book, uh, Dehydrated. But Karen would say, no, 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 you're great. God's going to use you. And when you have insecurity in your life, you force everyone else to feed that insecurity. I went deep in that uh, in the book, Why Is God So Mad at Me? I really did. So now you're you're preaching to thousands. 
God is using you, but yet you're going to your hotel room and feeling like a complete failure. That's it. Now, it's, how, how did you reconcile that? I mean, you, I mean, because for many people, they'll say, well, you know, they're told by their pastor or somebody in their life, just pray about it and, you know, it'll eventually go away. How did this eventually break from you? Was it a series of things that happened or yeah. was it just one specific moment? It was many encounters. You know, I always say one encounter with God will change everything. And, and that's what came to the birthing of this book. The second chapter in this book is how could God use me? And I write how at 17 years old, I began to deal with that. Here I was an athlete, kind of crazy guy on campus. And then all of a sudden I went into ministry and I, I couldn't reconcile the fact that a holy, awesome God could use someone like me with so many flaws. And then the Lord began to change me. And it was the writing of each book. Why is God so mad at me? I began to realize so many people deal with that. He's not mad at him. He's mad about him. That began the process for me of, way to, of going, as I went deeper in scripture, going, wait a minute. He's my dad. He loves me. Um, a great example is, is my little girl. Uh, we adopted Abby from China. And one day she said to me on the way to school, she said, she said, Daddy, you always say you love me before you got me. And she said, explain that to me on the way to school. And I'm like, oh, wow, it's too early. This, this is too is deep. Involved. This is, wow, did this just happen? Not enough coffee. And, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord said to me, he said, tell her the reason why you can say that is because I loved you, Pat, before you found me. And when you begin to understand that nothing can separate you from the love of God, when you begin to realize that how great his love is, that he's lavished on us, that I'm called his child, we have no right to be insecure. We have no right to walk in failure. He's our dad. I, I, I go in detail uh, in the book of, of how the Lord began to separate me from that stuff and began to change me because whatever in you, you're going to pass on to others. And I realized that I was creating around me people also that needed to feed that, I call it the demon of insecurity. And at the moment I got up and began to dance before the Lord, that's when the journey began. That's when he broke that off me. And after that happened, I called several friends, accountability partners, and I said, hey, uh, I know that I'm gregarious in public and loud and and uh, can shout and dance, but I need you to hold me accountable. I don't want this in my life. I don't ever want to, uh, because insecure people make others slave to your emotions. And I realized I had done that to my family. My son's 23 years old. He's a youth pastor out in California. I called him and said, Nate, I'm sorry. He goes, oh, no, 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 Dad. I said, no, no. I made you a slave to my emotions. If it was a great week on the road, then, then we all had a great week. But God, God has called us to begin to realize, you know, 1 Corinthians one twenty six. it says, take a good look, friends. It's a message Bible. And who you were when you got called in this life. I don't see the many of the brightest and the best among you. Not many influential, not from many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that culture overlooks, exploits and abuses, and chose the nobodies to hold to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies? That scripture rocked me. God uses the nobodies. Now, just so we're clear, is there a difference between being unqualified and disqualified, or are they one and the same? Oh, absolutely. You know, I went uh, after I went through the, the whole process of realizing that God uses the unqualified, and I talked about you're not plan B, and royalty comes up, sometimes comes broken. And, but then I went into a whole section called You Can Get Disqualified. Paul said it. He spoke of those that have been disqualified. So I wrote a whole section in the book on the things that I have to do, that I have to guard. Great example. I was in Texas last week and went to speak at a big conference. I get there at the desk at the Sheraton in Dallas, and all of a sudden they said, well, you have two rooms with your name on it. I said, no, just one. They said, yeah, and there's somebody in the room that's connected to you. I refused 
to go upstairs. I immediately called that room. They couldn't get through to the room. I immediately called the person that was leading the conference, and they said, oh, we're so sorry. We scheduled two rooms. We put somebody in there. But at 1130 at night, I refused to go upstairs to that room. I didn't know what was on the other side of that door. Somebody was there under my name in a room, and I called my assistant. I called my wife. The reason why I say all that is so many times people don't realize that what you're doing in private, your character counts. Are you pure? And I believe you can get disqualified. Samson was disqualified. Now, God used him again at the end. I, I share that in the chapter called You Can't Cut My Hair. But uh, uh, because God spoke that to me, I said, I want you to tell the enemy he can't cut your hair. He can't cut your anointing. But guard everything. Paul said there are those that have disqualified themselves. And I don't like to focus on it too much because that doesn't mean if you've made mistakes, if you're a failure, you've done all this bad stuff. That doesn't mean God can't use you. What I mean by the disqualification is when you walk in the anointing, you have to be careful because your influence, the anointing God has put on you, we don't have a right to fall away is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Now, the opposite of that is if you're unqualified because of your failures, mistakes, horrible past, you're a prime candidate to be God's billboard of power. I believe that. You're a, oh, well, you know, we're not called to sales. We're called to, we're called to advertising. When we walk in a room, people ought to see God has used us. We are walking mobile upper rooms. And so if someone's listening to this and they go, but you don't understand, I've messed up so bad. I've done all this. Well, let me just tell you, so did David. So did Moses. So did, so did Gomer. So did all throughout the Bible. So did Mary Magdalene. We're all flawed, but that's who God uses. Well, you're preaching now, brother. Yeah, I, I got to be careful. I'm, I'm ready to stand up. <laughs> well, in all honesty, I believe this with all my heart, that those that have the greatest testimonies, scars on earth are testimonies in heaven. What you've been through is a great indication of who you're called to. And I always put this in all the books, but I, I say I'm called to the cave dwellers, those that have been waiting on encounter with God. And so I talk to the ones that un- need to understand the greater the anointing, the greater the isolation. So if you've been in a season where you've been hidden by God and you're like, man, I don't know if the Lord can use me. Just hold on. He's about to walk by the cave. You're a prime candidate to be his greatest vessel in the last days. I believe that. So there really is a process of of coming out from feeling unqualified to the realization that God has called you, yeah. uh, that you experience. Now, you know, in the midst of all this, you, you, you talk about that you were writing and there, that was almost cathartic in terms of that experience of being able to let some things go and, yes. and and being challenged and dealing with those things, with those, you know, issues. What was the moment where you realized, okay, I am called. Yeah. It's it's okay. I can preach to whether it's 10,000 or 100 or, right. or one, and it's okay. Was there a specific moment when that took place? Uh, I'll tell you, no, I don't think there's a specific moment. I think that it is a continual, I mean, I've traveled the world since 1997 and it is continually falling in love with God, continually realizing how much he likes you, continually going deep in scripture. And because for me, there are some key benchmarks, watermarks for me where God has done critical things, dreams that I've had, a dream I had of a giant wave sweeping America. I write in unqualified about that, a move of God that is coming and realizing that yes, the Lord is using me. I was on Daystar Network and I shared the story of the giant wave that is coming to America. And the Lord showed my my wife and then showed me in a dream. I always joke that I have a sleep disorder called Revelation because, <laughs> because I have prophetic dreams. And the Lord showed me this massive move of God that is coming to America. Then it was reaffirmed 
people started calling into Daystar a couple weeks ago when I was on there saying, I've had the dream, I've had the dream, I've had the dream. Every time you start to go deeper in God, he'll affirm it and confirm it. So for me, it wasn't one moment, but it was so cool because Karen, my precious wife, came to me one day and she said, you've changed. You are completely changed. And here was the final moment that happened for me. It was about seven weeks ago. I was doing an I Am Remnant conference in Oklahoma City. My son flew in to speak and Nate preached on unconditional. That's what he called it. It's about Jose and Gomer. And Nate leads an incredible youth movement in California. So I had him fly in and do Saturday night. I went to walk on stage because I do that with my wife and son. We all flow prophetically in the altars. And all the people are crying out to God. I went to step on stage and this is silly. Uh, It'll probably make a book, but I began to laugh and I couldn't stop laughing and I was embarrassed. I've got my hands over my mouth because we're in this like this intense God movement at the altar and I'm laughing. And I said, Lord, why am I laughing? I'm not a laugher. I'm not that guy. That's not me that laughs in the service and all that. I've got friends that do. And, and I said, Lord, I can't stop laughing. I'm embarrassed. People can see me laughing. It's like, I'm laughing at what God's doing. And seven years ago, I lost my sister. Suddenly she was two years older than me. She had had some drug issues and, and, um, the Lord spoke to me at that moment on stage. And he said, I just restored your joy tonight. And that was like the catalyst moment. Maybe it's three months ago. And my wife says, I'm completely different. And this is real raw, what I'm telling everybody, but you can preach to the world. You can lead a movement. You can lead a company. You can be a, a housewife or, and the enemy wants to take your joy from you. And, but if you get your joy back, you get your strength back. The Bible says, and everything shifted. And so after writing unqualified book, and this is the last thing I'll say about it at the end of writing the book, it was December the 12th of this last year. I shut my laptop and this is, sounds weird to some people, but all of a sudden, all the feelings of insecurity, I call it the uh, a demonic thing, hit the room where I was at in my prayer room at my house. And at 1130 at night, after I finished writing the last sentence for unqualified, an all out attack happened. And I went to war for six hours and prayed in the spirit and laying on the floor, crying out to God, went to bed and I woke up the next morning and I looked at my wife And the Spirit of the Lord hit me. Karen said, what happened last night? I said, I did war of stuff that my parents had dealt with, that I dealt with. And I said, and the Lord spoke to me and he said, what you fought last night, I will break off of a generation and you'll never deal with it again. I have never dealt with, from that point on, the feeling of insecurity, unqualified, because I did war. And if you're listening to this, it's time to do war. Break that lying spirit off of you. God has anointed you. He has chose you. He has created you who you are. You're not an oops. You're not an accident. You're not illegitimate. No such thing as an illegitimate person, just illegitimate parents. And uh, what you have to realize is God has chose you for such a time as this. I write in the book at the very end that get your feet ready. This is your moment. And then I write a chapter called your God's hashtag because at the end of everything, whatever you've been through, you can hashtag I'm an overcomer. Hashtag God loves me. Your God's hashtag. This is fantastic. We're we're joined today by Pat Schatzline, author of Unqualified. And Pat will will be back in a few moments after this word from our sponsor. And Pat will share with us uh, a moment when he was challenged by a friend to deal with an issue related to him breaking through from uh, from this feeling of being unqualified. Dr. Bill Hammond, the founder of Christian International Ministries, is considered to be the pioneering voice of the modern-day prophetic movement. In his 61 years of ministry, he has trained and equipped hundreds of thousands of saints and has personally prophesied to leaders of nations. He spent his life training people to hear the voice of God, and because of this, 
their world has changed. You can also change your world through Christian International Ministry, their products and their events. You'll be equipped to hear God for yourself and others, your role on earth as a believer, your purpose and destiny. You'll receive a wealth of revelation and insight about hearing and receiving the voice of the Lord. For more information on Christian International Ministries, visit their website at christianinternational.com. Again, the website, christianinternational.com. And thank you, Dr. Bill Hammond, for sponsoring this podcast. Welcome to today's episode of Impart. I'm joined by Pat Schatzline, author of Unqualified. And, and we're talking about uh, the dealing, dealing with the spirit of being orphaned, of, of being challenged with who you are in God, and really spiritual formation at the root. Now, Pat, in the book, you describe a moment at a restaurant where a friend challenged you uh, mm-hmm. to deal with an issue related to honesty that basically was rooted in, in insecurity. Right. What was that, and how did you overcome it? This I was a youth pastor in Indianapolis at a, uh, a very large church, and my friend, I had a, a, you know, a, a large youth ministry, and sometimes when you get in that corporate church level, if you're not careful, you begin to stretch numbers, you begin to do all that. We're sitting in a restaurant, and my friend confronted me. He said, you stretched the truth about things. It was 22 years ago. And, you know, one of the quotes I put in the new book, uh, in the Manifesto for Unqualified, is the unqualified understand without the active work of the Holy Spirit in their lives, they will become an echo rather than God's voice of deliverance. We all need confronting. We all need to continually go back to the place of purging, getting back to that altar experience. My friend confronted me. It broke me. I went home and prayed all night. I called my dad in the middle of the night uh, who lived in Alabama. I'm in Indianapolis. He's a, He was a pastor at the time. And I said, you know, Dad... Middle of the night, I said, do I have a lying? I said, do I lie? And he said, yes. And he said, but so did I. Let's break this thing. I got my wife out of bed. And this was years ago. And and God began to do this work in me. When you are when you do at sports, you probably lie. We all, you know, it's a thing. <laughs> got to stretch it. Got to look good in front of everybody. But that was a critical point in my life. It was the first time I'd ever been confronted. And here it goes, 22 years ago. And so all these years at the end of it, I always, try, I always try to land on this side of the truth, meaning if there was 50 people there, I will say there was close to 50. If there was, you know, because it's amazing how numbers are always rounded. <laughs> well, yeah, we have 1,000. You don't have 992. And, and so anyway, the, you know, the Lord began to do such a work in me. That was a process because someone loved me enough to confront me and keep me from being disqualified, learning the power of getting free and learning that power of going, wow, I can change. I've not arrived. You will never arrive to get to heaven. And I always say this, I don't want my lifestyle to have to change when I get to heaven. And what people got to realize, and I also want to get to heaven with nothing left to do. And so that means I'm continually being purged by the Lord. He loves me enough to chastise me. He is not an uncle. He is a father. He doesn't just show up for birthdays. He shows up to say, hey, you're about to run out in the street and you're going to get spanked if you do that again. That's what a true loving father does. That's good. Now, now describe, take me back to that moment. Describe, how, did you, were you embarrassed? Were you angry? Oh, I was angry and embarrassed and ticked off. I wanted to punch him. <laughs> I wanted to say, dude, well, who do you think you are? But by the time I got home about two hours later, he had come to speak for me. I paid him to oh, come wow. speak at this event. And I'm going, bro, who do you think you are? But when I got home that night, God did such a work in me laying on the floor weeping and really got free because I said, I said, Lord, I don't want to be a liar because the Bible says he hates liars. Mm. And, and I said, I said, Lord, I want to be a man of truth. My name, Patrick means noble. 
And I, I, I thought, if you're noble, you're a man of your word. And I, it took me some time. I mean, I, throughout the years, I made a rule that if I ever tell an untruth from the pulpit, I'll fix it right there. So if you say, you know what, man, I was, uh, I was uh, at a thing and we saw, I would be preaching away and we saw, you know, 500 people healed. And I go, you know what, hang on. No, that was, it was only about 250. I will embarrass my flesh at that moment because if you embarrass your flesh enough, you'll stop doing it. I personally have a trigger that goes off to embarrass myself and I will literally be preaching. People don't notice it, but I just fixed it. I just fixed what I said. It can be that small. It can be last month I was at an event and I'll stop and go, no, it's been about three months ago. I do it all the time. So it's very purposeful. It's and purposeful. In my life, I put that trigger up. It's the same thing for perversion, uh, guarding against that. I won't go into a hotel room uh, without knowing where ESPN or the news channels are because I don't want to trip over anything. Yeah. My family deserves a pure man. And this all keeps you unqualified for the Lord. And what I mean by that is you've got to be unqualified to be used by God. And so when you continually know your limits and how God are the things that could take you out, that, that's how God used you. This started a journey for me at that moment in that restaurant when I wanted to hit this friend of mine. Um, and I just saw him. He's out to, in the San Francisco area as a pastor. This started for me a realization that God really can only use those that are real. You know, he'll put you on a shelf if you're not real, if you're not pure, if you aren't transparent. Wow. Now, I just want to touch on something very briefly. Y- you you stated that account, you know, when you described that moment with your friend, accountability. Is that a necessity? What, you know, what do you say to the Lone Ranger that says, well, you know, God keeps me accountable. I don't need anybody that's going to yeah. hold me, my feet to the fire. It, do you have people around you or you've had people through the years that have called you out and said, Pat, we, we got to discuss this or we need to deal with that. When Jesus rode in on a donkey and the donkey, uh, you know, at Palm Sunday and they're throwing down the branches, the donkey did his job. He didn't think they were cheering for him. I want to be the donkey Jesus can ride in on. And what I mean by that is I want to be the one that lives in a constant place of accountability because criticism is the guardian of the soul. It really is. And it's either good or bad. You got to throw it out. I wrote a section in the book called The Separation. It's the biggest section in the book because the Bible speaks in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 18. It talks about don't be unequally yoked, but it even says, for what does the Messiah have in communion with Belial? Belial means worthlessness or lawlessness. And I went really deep in that. And I wrote this whole section on the separation that when you, and I hope I'm answering it correctly, uh, the direction you're going, but the reason why I say that is if we're called to be separate, if we're called to be holy, and holy is the only word that describes God that we can't be. We have to strive for it, but that is his word. He is holy. And that means you're going to have to live in a place of accountability. You're going to have to live in a place of going, boy, if that's in my life, point it out to me. I'm ready. You know, shoot, go ahead, fire at me. Because God will love you enough to bring people into your life privately to guard you from embarrassing his cross publicly. Wow. That is such a profound truth. Yeah. That is a profound truth. See, the enemy will let, here's what the devil does. He lets people get really big. Uh, Sir Edmund, or Sir Sir Francis Drake said this. Uh, He said, Lord, let them build a foundation strong enough to someday handle the weight you will put on their shoulders. Here's what the devil does. He lets people get really big, knowing that it's kind of, you know, uh, an upside down triangle. They're getting really big and eventually they're going to fall. And when they fall, they're going to leave a massive weight. They're going to hurt people. God loves you enough to continually plow away at your foundation, dig deeper. And so that as he elevates you and uses you, that at that moment, 
that you're not going to topple over. And God will put everything on hold. He'll he'll call the foreman at the construction site and say, oh, 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 hold on. <laughs> we got some issues in the foundation. I don't want to raise you up right now because I want to protect the wake. I want to protect, meaning if you ever fall. Uh, God, I really believe this with all my heart. The Lord will, will put things in your life as warning signs, as boundaries. And if you don't heed to them, uh, okay, here's a great example. I was praying one day and I said, Lord, I can't feel you right now. Why can't I feel you? And the Lord said, I've gone to another level and I'm waiting on you to get there. That's what he spoke to my spirit. He said, come up here with me, son. And that's, you know, Revelation 1, he says to John, there's a door in front of you. The realization of Jesus Christ is happening. Revelation 4, he says, come up a little higher. There's another door. And I was praying one day and I saw the waist of Jesus and uh, like his waistline. And there was a giant set of keys on it. And I said, Lord, what is that? And he said to me, he said, son, there are keys on there. Some are big, some are small, but little keys open big doors. Stay at a small place to grab the small key and I'll open big doors for you. Wow, this is fantastic. We're, again, we're joined by Pat Schatzlein. Pat, how can we learn more about some of your teachings? Uh, do you have a school, a ministry school? I, I, we know you travel. Yeah. Uh, what, are there any uh, materials that you can offer uh, to our readers, our listeners as well? Well, people can learn about our ministry at remnantintl.com, remnantinternational.com, or remnant.international. And that's our ministry, and it's it's got... Uh, sermons on there. It's got all our books, my wife's books, all my books. But also, we just launched something that I'm really fired up about. The Lord spoke to me in our ministry. He said, you discipled thousands, but I've called you disciple millions. I am called to raise up to to to, to minister to those that are called to preach the gospel. And um, I have three, three mantles on my life. Break an orphan spirit off a generation. Restore integrity to ministry. And then uh, number two, raise up the remnant. And that's why we see thousands saved at the remnant conferences and scars disappear off of people that cut and all those healings and the great things. But the Lord spoke to us. We launched a thing called RaiseTheRemnant.com. And RaiseTheRemnant.com is for those out there, the house dad, the house mom, the ones that work at home, you work in a factory, you don't have time to do training. We, we're launching this thing, RaiseTheRemnant.com, where every week we send you a video about the call of God. This last week, I was at Steve Hill Studios in Texas. They've given us to use, uh, they've given those to us to use. And I did a whole teaching on how to preach the gospel. We've been doing a whole thing on taking up your mantle. I did a whole thing on uh, the entrepreneur anointing. And so I challenge you to go to RaiseTheRemnant.com, join this vision. We will pour into you. We do phone calls, all that kind of stuff. It's pretty cool. Wow, fantastic. Well, thank you, Pat, for joining us. To to learn more uh, about Pat and his ministry, you can log on to remnantintl.com. Uh, or again, to learn uh, to how to get uh, curriculum and teaching, study materials, you can go to raisetheremnant.com. Um, and if you'd just like to purchase the book, you can do that at charismadirect.com, amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com, or wherever books are sold. Again, thank you, Pat, uh, for joining us. Pat is the author of Unqualified, and this was a fascinating discussion on where you can begin to be great. Thank you so much. Bless you guys. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.